I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Baselayer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. This is David, and this is your new episode of Baselayer. Glad to have Renee, the co-founder of Cello and currently the president of the Cello Foundation, back with us after a few years. Renee, how are you? David, it's good to be back. Yeah, great. It's been great to catch up with so many of the founders that we had on the show years ago, uh, because when we were talking to them, a lot of the things that they were trying to do were in theoreticals. They were just starting to go from the academic papers, the white papers, the abstracts. And now you've actually seen over the last few years, real throughput, where people are using the the the, 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 the things that have been built and they are using them in real daily lives. They're actually having an impact there. And so this is incredibly important. I'm so happy to have you back on. Uh, again, for those that are listening to the show, there is a past episode with Renee where we talk a little bit more about the fundamentals of Cello, some of the things that have been historical kind of components of Cello. We're going to go a little bit more into, again, what's happening with Cello today. Uh, and there's a few things that are really exciting. There are things like MiniPay. The relationship with Opera. Uh, there's a focus on mobile. Uh, there's a movement to an L2. There's a lot of things happening here. So we're going to talk about all that in about 20 to 25 minutes, get Renee back to building what he's doing there. But really importantly, what I think is uh, great is that your mission at Cello is to build a regenerative digital economy that creates conditions of prosperity for all. So can you talk us through that? You know, how did you, when you were thinking about building Cello with your, with your co-founder, why was that the mission? Because comparable to others, that was really not the mission statement that others in the L1 ecosystem, L2 ecosystem had. Yeah, yeah, it takes me back to the very early days. When uh, when Seb Merrick and I first started working on uh, what, what has now become Cello, we we had this epiphany that, you know, money now after, you know, after all is becoming software. And with that, you know, we, we know software and software, you know, the way you develop software, the way you kind of launch products, iterate on them, you know, like adding features, taking features away, listening to customers, right? It felt like there was a moment upon us where that would happen with money. And in many ways, um, we've uh, we've seen some of that already play out in the last few years, and I hope um, much more in, in the years to come. But to us, you know, it felt like it would be, you know, kind of a now or never moment to actually embed features into money that uh, would actually be uh, positive for, for the planet, for people, for communities, right? And so this is kind of uh, at a high level uh, what uh, has led to, you know, the refi movement and a lot of people and, and projects, some coming kind of at this back from sort of, you know, pre-crypto regenerative economics, you know, concepts have been around for a while, but... Mm -hmm. A lot of these kind of theoretical concepts are really only 
now uh, feasible and buildable with Web3 uh, infrastructure. And I can give some examples on that, but that's kind of, that's been the guiding North Star and, you know, continues into today. And in fact, I'm, I'm pretty happy to see that a lot of what's been really working and taking off is deeply rooted in that um, and uh, makes me hopeful for, you know, if we look forward another six or so years, right, into the future, we'll, we'll actually... Uh, we'll actually kind of, uh, in a way, see some of that play out at a at a big scale, and, right. and that's pretty exciting because I think a lot of the world's problems today feel to the you know regular person, maybe even to a corporation or or a government, like they're not solvable, right? So by by that person, by that organization, by the government, and require insane coordination, right? Obviously, we all know that. Web3 is that coordination, you know, infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's nice if we can not only use Web3 technology to coordinate around problems like climate action, climate change, you know, or eliminating poverty or whatever it may be that someone cares about, but actually do it directly tied to the creation and use of, of money. Um, so super small teaser here and an example for how this works with Cello. Even at a protocol level, um, you know, sellers what we call ultra green money. So kind of a, a meme from the ultra ultra sound Ethereum kind of money meme, where you know, similar to Ethereum, there's um, there's a burning mechanism for for cello, but also on top of that, there's a, a fee effectively that is going towards um, offsets and kind of projects that are kind of climate positive. Um, programmatically with every transaction that happens um, right. on it effectively. So that's that's really powerful, right? And you could imagine, a, you know, using sort of a financial infrastructure, um, not even as a user knowing that, that, that you are using crypto or that kind of financial infrastructure, but by an action you're taking in a wallet, having that kind of little positive impact. And if you add a lot of little things up, you know, they can get quite big. Right. So yeah, pretty... Um, you know, pretty powerful idea back in the day. And, you know, it's, it's fun to see it play out now and, and, you know, excited to see it grow in the years to come. Yeah, I would say that if anyone looks, the majority, if you look at, you know, the websites for the L1s and L2s out there, there are now always components about carbon neutrality, about offsets, mm-hmm. about being clean and green, because the industry for the last few years has taken it on the chin especially in regards to Bitcoin miners. Now that narrative is false. Uh, we can. There's lots of data to show that. We're not going to get into that today. But, you know, there's been a narrative out there from the opponents that, you know, blockchains, L1s and L2s create massive amounts of, of pollution, are highly uh, carbon combustive. And so it's really interesting. You know, one of the things I saw when obviously I was prepping for our conversation today is that on your site, you state, 1,366 days of carbon negativity or carbon negative. And so if anyone can obviously count, there's 365 days in the year. 1,366 days is about four years. Um, And so why do you think that, you know, when you were thinking about building Celo, you know, why was that, you know, such an important component? And now all of a sudden you've seen everyone kind of catch up. Why do you think you from the outset said, okay, we have to build this clean and green? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We didn't approach it, you know, as a feature for Cello. It wasn't like, oh, let's let's do offsets as part of the design here. It was right. more we we saw a world where we would have tokenized 
kind of real world assets, green assets, right? And down the road, right? And basically a move towards, in a way, kind of, yeah, making climate action part of every transaction. But mm -hmm. then with the uh, kind of vision like that, right? There's the question, well, what's the first step you can take in that direction? How do you create some initial demand, even just to give people confidence, builders confidence, right? To start projects, you know, that can sort of start building some of that infrastructure that's uh, that would be required. And so it's like, well, the, the chain itself can be a demand source, right? And right. I think that's why uh, in the early days, a lot of the climate projects, um, you know, reached out to us and were like, hey, this is cool. Let's talk, you know, how we can plug into this. And so almost organically, we we ended up, um, you know, kind of building community around some of these concepts and people started realizing, oh, wow, this is just the tip of the iceberg. These guys care much more deeply around making this kind of an integral part of, you know, a truly regenerative financial system. Right. And I think that's, yeah, in, in a way it was uh, more powerful maybe than we kind of would have thought in terms of, uh, you know, being becoming an anchor for that uh, for that movement. Yep. Now, fast forward, right? I think it is it is a little bit interesting, right? Because in in some ways, many folks, yeah, they added sort of that like to their website. Hey, we're carbon negative, we're carbon neutral, or whatever, and that's where the action stops, right? And in a way, that like, that's a big critique for you know like greenwashing and what a lot of companies are doing out there. Um, not to say anyone is is you know doing that in our space here. I don't want to like you know even go there, but I think uh, at least it's raised awareness that actually, you know what, if we have this, these kind of digital assets, right, that can represent this, this climate action, then let's go a lot further, right? And so I think right. we, now, we now need to take the next step and hopefully we can do it not just as Salo ecosystem, but as the whole Web3 ecosystem to say, hey, we have this infrastructure now, let's actually you know, really collectively, um, we can we can have a massive impact, right? We can have we, we can move the needle more than some of the things that get decided at COP, you know, every year and like right. where people, you know, sit in sit in rooms and negotiate for hours. You know, we have we have the economic activity. Let's tie positive climate action to it. So that's right. that's kind of our hope, um, and uh, it's part of the discussion, which is great. But I think there's a lot more to be done. So let's dive into further. So aside from obviously the focus on, you know, as you alluded to, you know, being a conduit of activity and being a, a, a shepherd, if you will, of good, clean activity uh, that isn't harmful to, you know, our sustainability in, in, the, in the planet. Let's dive further into how Zello is actually making an impact with people out there. There's, you know, for people that don't know, there's a billion people out there that don't have an identifier. They don't have a passport. They don't have a, a driver's license that you might have here in the United States. And so entering into the financial systems has always been a, a flashpoint. They haven't been able to get into the financial systems. And so Zello has made, again, a decisive decision to be mobile first, to be mm -hmm. able to be a light client that can go on users' phones and be able to do all the wonderful things that digital assets and blockchains can provide. One of those is DeFi, where users are able to not only participate in the crypto economy, but also then start to build up things like credit scores, whereas mm -hmm. they are participating in certain DeFi protocols, they're lending and they're borrowing, they're paying back those, those payments on a timely basis, or they're not. 
and and so this is a way to build a financial history for those that don't have the ability to do that right now. So talk to us about you know your you know kind of focus on mobile first, developing that light client, and then I really want you to talk more about MiniPay for those that are familiar with Cello. MiniPay is an integral part of what they're doing these days. There is a relationship and a partnership with Opera, uh, one of the browsers out there. So talk to us about mobile first, about the kind of the vision and the purpose for that. And then talk to us about how MiniPay plays into that. Yeah, I mean, mobile has been, uh, you know, I think from the very early days, it was clear that, you know, we have this ambition to uh, build uh, something that can be used by everyone everywhere. And, you know, that's just not possible, you know, unless you make it accessible on a on a mobile phone. And, you know, we... We've gone as far as you know as projects in the ecosystem that have uh, rolled out wallets and uh, and products on uh, on feature phones, but you know even like uh, smartphones at this point, you know I think we're at seven billion or so global subscriptions. So we you know cover a good part of the world. Um, obviously, you know many many I mean many many more people have access to a mobile phone uh, regularly, right? With an internet connection than to a computer, right? Maybe in a local internet cafe or you know. Like, yeah, few, few people have sort of the, yeah, kind of accessing internet on a, on a computer. And that's, that was a key early insight in that. I think, yeah, it starts with some of the technical uh, pieces that make Salo special, but also it's really, when you look at a lot of the projects in the ecosystem, wallets like Valora um, early on, that really took a mobile first approach and said, okay, how do we bring an experience to someone on a smartphone that is the gateway to, to this new world, to this new digital economy. And of course, you know, giving people a wallet, letting them cash in and out easily, letting them do work and get paid in stable coins, uh, letting them, you know, yeah, you know, you mentioned DeFi and credit scores and all that, that, that should all be accessible from a mobile phone. And that's, that's true today. Uh, it really wasn't six years ago, and it's been really ramping up last year. I mean, last year it's interesting. You know, obviously we're still in the in the bear market, but activity on on Cello really skyrocketed, and a lot of this on the back of um, mobile uh, mobile users, right? So we, I think, Token Terminal reported as over three thousand percent growth a year. You know, kind of over the course of the year in terms of active uh, active users, which uh-huh. I think is really you know, internally, we look a lot at um, economic activity and so number of users and what transactions are users doing. I think those are more important metrics than TVL when you really care to have that on the ground impact. And yeah, I think we, we've we been sort of consistently in the top 10 and uh, across all projects, but as high as number six. Um, so that's really a sign for, you know, usage that is not tied to you know economic cycles or where Bitcoin is trading, but that's people you know doing peer-to-peer payments or taking out uh, a microcredit through one of the platforms um, that are part of Credit Collective as part of Salo. So I think there's there's really some good work that's kind of validating that thesis, um, and it's been nice to see many of the projects take that kind of mobile-first approach as well in terms of the way they're building the DApp, keeping the interface simple and fast to load. Um, and a bunch of other factors. Now you ask about MiniPay. So MiniPay only launched uh, four months ago. So they, you know, kind of did a staged launch starting in Nigeria. They've since expanded to Kenya and Ghana, and they're kind of ultimately rolling out over the entire African continent. Um, and just announced this week that they've crossed uh, over a million. I think it was actually one point one 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 users. 
Um, it's kind of funny uh, to see that. And, uh, you know, I, that's that's the very beginning, right? I mean, Opera, I think, in terms of their browser product, has an install base, I think, over 500 million. There's over 100 million active users across Africa. They're the top browser, I think 90% market share in many markets. So if you're if you're kind of talking to a random stranger on the phone, uh, on the on the streets, you know, in Lagos or, or, or in Nairobi, and you're asking them to look something up for you on the internet, they'll likely, you know, do it on a right. browser. And MiniPay is directly built into Mini. Um, so the user doesn't need to download a new app, um, which that in itself is actually a big deal because bandwidth is a scarce resource. Uh, it's super lightweight, so it's two megabytes. So it's also not adding a lot of a lot to sort of the to Mini as a, as a package. And then it comes with all the you know great features that make Cello special, but also that I think have become really best practice in in Web3 over the last you know year or so in terms of abstracting away a lot of the you know complexity from the user around key management and, and uh -huh. so on. Um, so yeah, the the experience is super easy. I think. Over, I mean, hundreds of thousands of those users, I'm not sharing any like uh, data I shouldn't share, but have like been able to restore their wallet right without kind of a glitch. There's no yep. kind of need for a big customer support, right? So and like, there's it's just like it's it's magical to see people that you know in most cases maybe other than WhatsApp, you know, don't really use many apps even um, to be able to handle a, a crypt effectively what is a crypto wallet. Uh, use dApps and engage with this kind of new and have access to this new digital economy. I think that's, to me, in a way, like, you know, after six, you know, going on seven years of grinding in the space and like the ups and downs that come with that, um, that's given me a lot of new energy to, you know, being really excited about the next few years. And I've seen um, that energy. I've seen that energy live. Uh, I was lucky enough to participate in one of your uh, accelerators and demo days uh, at the end of last year. And yeah. I will let you all know, this is for real. You have uh, the, Afri you know, the continent of Africa that is ripe for this type of innovation, where the majority of the population are young, they are mobile first, and obviously, with some of the issues from the macroeconomic levels in terms of deflationary issues, inflationary issues, obviously, some of the debasement of their local currencies, some of the things that Cello is offering is just life changing for these uh, for this population, for these people. The ability for those to actually be able to use Cello and use the components of Cello and blockchains to be able to get incentives, to be able to pay for bandwidth so they can actually have connectivity to their family and their friends and their job, so they can speak to people where they can go online. Things like that are, are massively important. And so this is when it starts to expand beyond just you know, a store of value with Bitcoin to things that are happening on Ethereum to actually having an impact on real people's lives on a daily, daily basis. I said daily, daily twice because it's important because it is daily basis. This is not yeah. just a once in a while type of thing. This is impacting people's lives daily. And so I think it's incredibly important. Obviously, we'll put notes on to a lot of the accelerator and some of the projects that are happening there because, again, this is real-world life stuff. And so it's incredibly important. I want to jump in while I have you for a few more minutes. Again, there was a huge proposal out uh, towards the end of last year, again, that is effectively changing the way that Cello is going to be potentially operating. So the proposal following months of research by C-Labs team, as well as initial discussions among a core Cello and Ethereum community members, details an architecture where the Cello blockchain 
uh, initially leverage the OP stack. Now, again, we want the optimism team on here. So if you can get someone, if if you can get the optimism team on here, we want them on too, because we're having the whole month of L1s and L2. So we invite optimism on here too, but leveraging the OP stack to become an Ethereum L2 with key differentiators, including decentralized sequencer, powered by Silo's existing validator set running Byzantium fault tolerance consensus, off-chain data availability layer. This is another area that for the last few weeks, if you've been listening to our shows, this is another area that everyone's talking about in terms of data availability, powered by Eigenlater and EigenDA, operated by Ethereum node operators, and protected by restaked ETH. EigenDA brings the design of dank sharking and Ethereum early, enabling Celo to maintain its low fees. Again, very important for your user base. Yeah. A design that retains Celo's one block finality. Fast finality, got to have it because it can't be slower than what we're used to in Web2. Why is this so important for Celo's future? Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Look, we, we, uh, uh, you know, we didn't like in the beginning say, hey, let's start a layer one, right? We were uh, coming at this with a, with a set of problems we're eager to solve. And we actually started building some stuff on Ethereum at the time. And it's just at the time, Ethereum wasn't, you know, wasn't the right platform for it. You know, micropayments, like, you know, I just like everybody like follows the space <laughs> for a couple minutes, like, well, We'll know that. Um, and so that was a little disappointing because, you know, I think that we, we felt like strong connectivity to a lot of the other founders in the Ethereum community. So we ended up forking Ethereum, um, but staying very close and, you know, trying to collaborate as much as possible um, along the way. And in many ways, this is now really, I see it as a coming home moment for us where, you know, we've been, uh, you know, it's it's actually, it's great because there's also a bunch of overlap in terms of people and projects and, I I think we we get to sort of in a way take some of the infrastructure right that uh, as a layer one you kind of have to maintain but you know the stuff that we care about in terms of the things that make Celo special protocols like Fiat Connect Social Connect uh, stuff at the application uh, level you know like the economics the ecosystem kind of work governance and so on all those things can you know can now get in a way more resources right because we can leverage the strengths of Ethereum as sort of base settlement and get Ethereum security. And I think there were a few things of the last year, right, that kind of made this move feasible in terms of, like you said, maintaining super low fees, which is so critical for a lot of the use cases. Um, and that's that's a key thing for us. Uh, we also, yeah, I think we we see a lot of value in being uh, more closely aligned with, with, the, with the Ethereum ecosystem, which, you know, obviously, not just Ethereum, but also other other L2s. And, you know, very much with the growth we will see from Opera and some of the other ecosystem uh, players, particularly in the global south, you know, I think I, I see Celo as sort of the onboarding machine, if you want, uh, for the broader Ethereum ecosystem, right? We kind of provide easy an easy way to kind of uh, start using you know, uh, yeah, Web3 products, apps, you know, a lot of the big kind of protocols or, you know, primitives like Uniswap, Curve, all on Celo as well. So there's there's kind of, it's easy for, for people to kind of onboard on Celo. And then, you know, as uh, different use cases come in, right, it's nice to seamlessly move maybe between Celo and other L2s to kind of experience that. But really making Celo kind of the the entry point to a lot of people, given the mobile focus and, and the distribution we have. So I think big focus for us is to, yeah, get this right. You know, I think there's a bunch of things that as part of that proposal that also address some of the points that I think people uh, today 
are really excited about seeing being solved uh, on the layer two front, like you know the decentralized sequencer uh, leveraging uh, cello validators to um, actually become sequencers. That's a big another kind of exciting piece of that puzzle. But making that transition um, in the right way and doing it, um, yeah, on a on a tight timeline so that we can we can bring a lot of kind of I think the the cello magic to the to the broader Ethereum ecosystem. So that's uh, that's some of the motivation. I think what also I think will allow us to accelerate our growth and and impact uh, even more. So yeah, felt like a win win when we first started uh, thinking about it, and certainly the reception from both our community and the broader team community has sort of validated that. Amazing. So again, what let's not be a few years uh, in the making it has been amazing to see, as I said, again, from the onset, the transition from, you know, kind of academic, you know, theoretical type of abstracts to, as I said, again, this is impacting real people's lives on a daily basis, how you get paid, how you pay your bills, et cetera. And so this is huge. Again, thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, hopefully we can have you on towards the end of the year and see how everything's been doing in 24. Thanks, Renee. Yeah, I'd love that. Thank you. And also thank you for supporting the community. Thanks. Thanks for listening in to Baselayer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. And let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets.